Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Getaway Space. It's Didn't you want to do episode number now? I don't know the number. It's been a while. It's been a long time since we made... I think it's the 12th. Yeah, it's the 12th. Okay. So welcome back to the 12th episode of our podcast, The Getaway Space. It's really good to be back. We were looking at like the countries that are listening to our podcast and South Korea was on it. And Malaysia was on it. Yeah, and it was really like it was really nice to see that people all over the world are listening, even though our podcast isn't as big as we want it yet. But like that just gives us more motivation, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Because as long as people are listening, I feel like we find that we're drawn into putting more stuff out. Mm-hmm. Whereas if people stop listening or the plays like fluctuate, and I know it's bad to be like, why are you using quantitative mm-hmm. measures? to find motivation but it does help a lot when you see people engaging with your posts Mm -hmm. and even on instagram during the pandemic we weren't really posting but people were still sharing stuff that we'd already uploaded people were still following the account oh my friend last night he messaged me he snapchatted me a picture of him like watching our youtube videos i was like that's so (laughs) random but it's like it's nice that people are still like interested in what we have to say yeah yeah i like the youtube videos they're cute yeah uh, we're going to make new ones soon. We have some ideas. So. Stop making promises I'm not going <laughs> to keep. But our purpose of this podcast is mostly focusing on like the education system. Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic, we've had time to really notice a lot of things. Um, sim- simply because schools are closed and universities are closed. And we use online platforms to attend classes and do all of our work. Um. I think I say um a lot. <laughs> but yeah. So if you want to start us off? Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing that I've noticed is outside of going to school and working, like this is just a general thing that I've noticed, but I feel like people have now been like so much more drawn to like their true creative side. Like, you know, they've found ways to connect with that. Like mm-hmm. There's people are like discovering talents that they never even knew they had um, or like, you know, just using social media to create like a better online presence. And it's just like it's kind of nice to see that outside of the constant cycle of life, like the constant, oh, I have to go to school. I have to go to work. I have to complete all of this other stuff that people have a whole other identity of like aside from that. Mm-hmm. And that was like interesting to see because a lot of our society focuses what they focus on now or even before is that school is the number one thing like like going not even education you know like people don't say that education is the number one thing they say attending school school, yeah Yeah. so that's what i i guess i've noticed it's it's like you can have a life outside of going to school all the time or going to work all the time and being a slave to like a i guess a capitalist system I feel like it's a good opportunity that we got. I mean, I know it's like a bad thing that we all had to suffer through this mm-hmm. or whatever. I sound like a bitch saying <laughs> that. But basically what I'm trying to say is we all got to see and like realize how people who are retired live and like the lives of people who don't go to school anymore or who don't have work anymore. And it really opens up your eyes to kind of take in what everyone else is going through and it it gives you an opportunity to talk to people around you that you wouldn't normally talk to because like you said when you're expanding your social media presence you'll be talking to people that you probably have never texted or people are texting you because you have things in common that you never knew about and i think school 
doesn't teach us that and school doesn't like to a certain extent yes they teach us mannerisms that we're supposed to follow in a formal setting but they never teach us like i know you can say subconsciously they groom us but they never actually take the step forward where they try to raise you and it's crazy because they should be doing that because we spend eight hours a day Mm -hmm. at school sometimes more sometimes less but these these people your teachers your profs the students you're around they have the most impact on your life compared to everyone else but like we said before people don't like to take um responsibility or don't like to be held accountable for what what level of um giving they yeah Yeah. and the level of like you need to be able to give Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. to be able to have an impact on someone but we're only like schools are only willing to do bare minimum where i think we talked about this in a podcast um we focus more on the scientific and the science courses and the mathematical courses whereas we completely push aside no i think i texted you this where we push aside the arts courses but what i've noticed like to a certain extent when it comes to choosing your arts courses we're given the choice Mm -hmm. but because we've been raised in a system where it's you either take the science and math courses to succeed or you go into arts and you're a nobody and i know it's supposed to be a joke where we're being like oh you're an art student but you could say it to the wrong person and they could change their mind about what they're doing completely, mm-hmm. which is wrong. Um, no f- career, no field is invalid. Everyone has their own impact in the world. And just because someone chooses to go for a degree that is considered easy by society doesn't mean it's a lot easier. Yeah. Creativity it doesn't just come to everyone. Talent yeah. doesn't just come to everyone. People work years and years to polish themselves to get to a certain level or to achieve a certain level of their talent. And I think that just because you're a book smart person doesn't mean that you can shit on people who are not book smart yeah like there was a tweet that went viral kind of went viral the other day and it was like your aid doesn't matter unless uh, you're a stem major like so you're you haven't really worked hard for an a grade if you haven't taken a science or a math course and i think I think that's so wrong because so i'm like you and i are stem like we've done that but you were also in business a lot of people will think that, oh, like courses like the arts or co- uh, courses like social um, sciences or like you know, humanities are easy courses. Um, but I feel like there's a reason why everybody is gifted in different sides of their brain, right? So like one side of your brain is better at math and uh, numerics and stuff. And the other side of your brain is better at comprehending, um, I guess, arts. So it's like somebody who does really well in science and maths will not be able to like at least without practice they won't be able to completely grasp the arts right away so to say that your a doesn't matter if you haven't done it in science or math is like completely invalidating that people are good at different things i'd like to see an engineering student come into an art student's gallery and try to paint the exact same thing exactly. that exactly like all of this and even being good at science or math is your dedication to that course right like i people are born being talented in certain areas um, some people are like naturally good at uh, sciences or some people are naturally good at math. Some t- people are naturally good at gymnastics or whatever, you know, but you get to where you want to go with practice and with discipline. Yeah, it's with like, discipline. People forget how much practice actually goes into it. You can be born gifted and not use it. I used to have a mm-hmm. really photographic memory, like very easily read it twice. I mm-hmm. know it. But I didn't polish it. I didn't use it to the extent that I should have. And now I have to read the same thing like five or six times to be able to retain that information. So 
I didn't polish it. And just like that, a person who's gifted, if they don't keep pushing themselves, because that's what it's all about. As long as you keep challenging yourself, you're going to keep discovering more about yourself. The second you become too comfortable in the way that you're living or in the way that your mind works, you technically just, you make your brain lazy. Yeah. And that you reminds don't... me of how in, on Twitter, uh, like, they, this is a normal thing they talk about on Twitter, how gifted students after, like they were gifted when they were in elementary school and then they got out of school and then they lost that ability to mm-hmm. have that discipline and have that um a focus and it's like well i mean you weren't just gifted because in in elementary school there's a constant hammer on you like the teachers are making sure you're doing your work mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and so it's really easy to be like this student is excelling because we molded them this way and so they're gifted but when you get out of that environment, when you get out of that environment of elementary school and you go into university, now you're on your own. So you have to be, like you said, willing to practice and discipline yourself to retain that like gifted ability because it doesn't just come and go. You have to work on it. And on that point, I think it's unfair to a certain extent that we're raised in a system where we have teachers who push us and then we go into a system where the profs are just like, I could not care less about you unless you reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Like you can't raise a kid in a system and have them rely on something and then just completely take it away from them. We're not going to excel like that. That's why a lot of students in first year, what do they do? They fail or they don't do that well. And that demotivates them and that makes more kids drop out. So what, what are we doing this for? Technically, universities want to make the most that they can off of students. Wouldn't it be better that if a student enrolls, you have them for four years? How do you do that? You slowly transition them into a different teaching environment. But we're not willing to do that because what I've learned from my experience is first-year profs are not as great as third, fourth-year profs, and they're not willing to put in as much work. Obviously, the classes are a lot bigger because a lot more students are there. But once again, those students would remain for the third and fourth years if the first and second year profs were putting in that work for them. Mm -hmm. I don't think, like, I'm not, this isn't me saying that the profs aren't doing a lot or that you have to have a prof over your head to be able to do stuff, but, like, random check-ins on assignments, like, um, random test check-ins, random, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, like like a personal relationship. But when I first entered university, the first thing I was told was, you're nothing more than a student number. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't think that's fair because you're paying, what, 10, 15K to just be a student number. I don't like how are you supposed to learn in that environment where you feel like you are nothing more than a number you're reduced to, which is what we do in prison systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, there's a lot of similarities between a school and a prison system, even in um, like like the in sorry, in elementary schools and high schools. It's they literally treat you like you're in um, a system where you have to be molded to be a certain way or it's kind of like you know like how our teachers um set rules for us and everything and those rules oftentimes are very like strict they make you feel like your cat your cattle right Mm -hmm. um and so exactly like the transition from something like that where you're so forcefully kept in line and then you're just let go it's very it's not gradual it's very sudden and so to get used to that is really difficult so Uh, personally what i think they should be doing is that this system of independence should be introduced early on Mm -hmm. because the rest of our life is gonna be like how university is where you're you're just like you're You're just another person yeah and so you know like to make people feel like 
they are not responsible at all in the beginning and that they need another person to rely on and then all of a sudden throwing them out into the world of you're completely on your own where like honestly like i was scared to talk to my professors first year like i wasn't i didn't know that i was able to even go up to them and form a personal relationship with them because it was kind of scary like you know what if i'm not the smartest student or what if i'm not the most responsible student and they hate me Mm -hmm. so it's like like that that is just it just seems unfair Mm -hmm. you know um when you when you get thrown into a system like that where there's a ton of other kids and you're just told that you are just like another student and blah 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 and your your security system kind of crumbles because there's all these people around you that you don't know that you're supposed to rely on a lot of people for that reason homeschool their kids Mm -hmm. like one of the benefits that i've um heard of homeschooling your children is that you get to decide your own curriculum so whatever you're teaching your kid is not at like the pace of all the other students it's just at their pace so whatever they grasp in the moment is what pace you're going at whereas like in a school it's not really at an individual pace right like even in university it's not an individual thing like okay this student is struggling with grasping this concept we're gonna wait for them to catch up like you can't do that in school but even in the work field, you can't do that. You know, when you yeah. get into like an office, no one's going to be like, okay, they don't understand. So we're going to hold it back for them. The people who grasp it earlier on have an advantage. Whereas yeah. people who take longer to grasp on, just they get left behind. Yeah. But I think personally, what I think is that there's a lot of people in this world and a lot of them, like even a lot of like, mental i guess deficiencies don't get caught until later on like i was watching this tiktok of a guy um who was like what did i have to do to get my phd in whatever he was studying and then he was like how he failed a lot of his classes in high school um he couldn't find he didn't get accepted to any of his colleges and then later on when he's in the middle of med school he finds out he has adhd and it's like okay so like if this student was failing for all these reasons and nobody caught on to it they were basically made to feel like a failure all their life Mm -hmm. for no reason other than they have a deficiency and nobody picked up on it whereas if it is like an individual thing it's an individual thing you can see that okay this student is struggling in this area there must be something wrong like if i'm not the best at math it's not because i'm stupid i'm just not good at math yeah you know what i mean but I feel like even, like, at school, you're either good at something or you're not. Like, you know how there were some students who were, like, failing one class and then you go into the other class and they'd be, like, excelling at it? Mm-hmm. Everyone has good and bads. I'm not against homeschooling. Mm-hmm. I just feel like certain parents wouldn't be able to carry the responsibility of homeschooling. And if we allowed every single household to be allowed to homeschool, some households aren't fit for it, but the student doesn't ever get the choice to decide for themselves. So yeah, if we were going to practice homeschooling, maybe we have the student decide whether they would prefer a system that has multiple students or where they are just one-on-one with their parent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's, I mean, even with schools though, like even with classrooms, most of the time, the teacher is not always fit to teach every single student. Like, you know what I mean? So we should have teachers who are actually, who have the degrees to be teaching um 
I think it was like grade eight or nine, mm-hmm. and we had a science teacher teaching us English. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't think this is how it's going to work. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to be able to learn everything because even the science teachers themselves, will they be able to grasp the concepts that they're teaching? Yeah. They take a paper and they have the curriculum and they have the topics that they're supposed to discuss. They have the definitions and they just throw that out there. But until they don't themselves know it, they can't pass that information on to another person. And I, and I feel that's where we're lacking. We're not... We have teachers. I'm not saying we don't have teachers. We have qualified teachers, but we're not giving them the same opportunities because obviously a qualified teacher has a certain demand for salary. Mm-hmm. And we're not ready to meet those because our system prefers f- like fixing roads. Our system prefers fixing municipal responsibilities before they have a responsibility to their students or to their future yeah i think um i definitely think there should be a lot more investment into the school system because like okay in scarborough when you go to like half of the high schools like my high school and the high school that was near my high school we were like classified as some of the worst high schools not because our teachers weren't great but because there was such a lack of like funding to the school and there was a lack of like trying to get the best um kind of programs into the school that it made it seem like the students were struggling but really the students were struggling because there wasn't enough being invested into their education Mm -hmm. you spend most of your time in school these teachers are like your parents you know what i mean so there's some kind of responsibility there of how they impact us so if you're If you're just sending teachers, like half of these teachers are tired of their jobs because they don't get paid enough. I had a teacher in um, grade 11, biology, and one time we had like an award uh, show kind of thing where Mm -hmm. some kids got awards. So half of the class was empty because you go to get your award. Mm -hmm. Um, And he literally stood there complaining about how much he hated his job for that that entire um, class time. He was like... I don't get paid enough to do this. I was a TA in university and, um, you know, like I can teach at the university level, but you know, I came and started teaching in high school because there was a lack of jobs and whatever. Um, and then he was like, you know, uh, in the summertime when I'm not teaching, I have to like teach soccer classes because you don't get paid when you're not teaching. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I felt bad for him because if, if these people are not passionate about their work, like if you're not getting paid enough and you're not passionate about your work, you're not going to teach the kids properly. Like he used to just stand there and write on the board. Like the way he taught to us was like the most boring and simplified way of teaching I've Mm -hmm. ever seen. And so it was like, okay, if the teacher's not interested in teaching me, then I'm not really going to do my best work. My grade 11 chem teacher used to talk about their dating life. Yeah. Like, he'd be like, I go to parties. And he, I remember one time he said something like, I went to a party and this girl kept on swearing every single time in a sentence. Wait, was it Mr. Kim? Mr. Kim, yeah. (laughs) And he's just like, and that just showed that she's not, like, remotely intelligent because she kept swearing after every word. That just means she has a limited vocabulary. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wow, you shouldn't be teaching us this. I know. Um, But yeah, he was like, he wasn't a bad teacher. I think he was just... I think he had ADHD. Yeah. He gets he got sidetracked really easily, and then on top of that, he would teach really fast just yeah. because he already knew the concepts and he assumed that we would all know it. Yeah. And then when he'd stop for a question, he'd make the student feel bad about it. Like, he wouldn't explain it simply. Oh, my God. That 
is the perfect segue into the fact that university professors don't require any teaching degrees. So when they teach you, they're literally teaching you at the pace of what they know. Mm -hmm. So they're like, they have their PhDs, they're doing research. So when they're teaching you, it's like to them, everything makes sense. And to the other student, it's like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand a single thing. Not to mention the fact that every student, like, you know how they make you take that test in the beginning of some classes where it's like, uh, what kind of learning style do you have? Mm -hmm. I don't understand how they expect one teacher to teach in like four different learning styles to make sure every single student is getting the best kind of knowledge that they can get. I think that's best applied when a section is broken down into multiple tutorials so the yeah. TA can focus on it. Um, this semester, the past semester, I had a prof. He used to teach the class every single year, but this year he passed it on to his TA to teach. And honestly, I had a better experience learning from the TA than I did from the prof. Because mm -hmm. I took a uh, class with him the previous semester. He's a great prof. He's really good at what he does. He set the curriculum and everything. But somehow, learning from her made it a lot easier for me to grasp a lot of concepts. Made it easier for me to be able to ask questions. Just because I could kind of relate more. And just because she was a little younger, it made it easier for me to be able to talk to her. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've always found that like even in math related courses, the TAs were so good and it's because they're learning too at the same pace as us. So the way they describe it is very easy to understand because they're like, okay, like the way I'm breaking it down for you is usually how I would study it myself, right? It's kind of like peeling back layers. So a TA just has to go back two years, whereas a prof has to go back like 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. You can't like, it's not the prof's fault. I feel like what my prof did is what they should be practicing where they have multiple TAs mm -hmm. teaching sections instead of having the prof teach the section. And you can go to the prof's office hours to discuss any problem you have or if you need to change sections or anything. I just think it would be a more effective way of teaching and a more effective way of learning. Because at the end of the day, you know how profs usually say, um, my class is really hard, you're not going to pass it? Yeah. That just means you're a bad prof. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything else. And I don't think profs should be like, I don't think it's some kind of flex to say you're not going to pass my class. Like, that means you're setting people up to fail. Exactly. And it, it feeds into the fact that university is a lot like a business. Like, mm -hmm. it's not that they're invested in your learning. They want to do what will make them look the best. So if you're not passing, they really don't care. Like, they want you gone if you're not passing. You know how there was the U of T scandal where they passed all the first and second year students with a certain mark and nothing more and nothing less mm -hmm. no matter how much work you put in i think like how did U of T become the best university or the second best university in canada simply by cheating the system mm -hmm. they don't care about what their students are learning in the first and second year they don't care if their students succeed mm -hmm. they don't care if you can have the best willpower and you can try your hardest to succeed but if the system itself is failing you you are not going to succeed and what it's going to leave you with is a broken will you're not going to find that same courage to ever face something like that again yeah some students are i've had cousins who are the smartest people and they just did bad in a few courses and they never returned like they're like i'm not doing school it's not for me and you just need to like i think schools need to be able to cater to different students more and we're not doing that and i also think that um I don't think they do this in sciences, but in business courses, they do focus a lot on how you carry yourself and how you speak mm -hmm. and how you carry out a conversation. Like, we have full-on courses teaching us how to talk to people. I don't know if sciences has that no, too. No, sciences? 
I think a lot of science students come out being severely like antisocial because they don't do that. Like every doctor I talk to is just a dickhead. To yeah, me. they're dickheads and they're very. No, like, have you noticed they're also nervous most of the time like pharmacists too like when you talk to them they don't know how to talk to you mm-hmm. it's like they keep their head down most of the time and they're like oh okay like they get and there's no like there's no questions there's no conversation and i feel like that happens because they don't teach that in sciences i was talking um i go to the hospital a lot for personal reasons mm-hmm. but i was talking to a nurse and I was kind of talking to her about that. I was just like, last time I came, like, the nurse I talked to, she wasn't really friendly. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me think about how we practice customer service in part-time jobs and jobs that aren't career, but in career-based, we don't really focus on customer service. Whereas it's just important to treat a person nicely, regardless of what level of education you have. And she was just like, yeah, but, like, when you go through med school and when you go to, when you become a nurse, it's kind of like, you don't really care because you spend all your time studying. You don't really get to hang out with your friends. You don't really get to go out. Your social skills are close to zero. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so a lot of us just simply don't know how to anymore. Obviously, in our personal lives, we are able to carry out a com- like a normal conversation. But when we're here professionally, we're just professionals. Nothing more than that. And she's like, we have to do, do that just so we don't get attached to a uh, patient. Or just so we don't have to... You know how we can be empathetic where we put ourselves in other people's shoes? They don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Because the se- second they do that, she's like, it clouds your judgment. And it can make us think that we can do things that we really can't. And I was just, I was talking to her and I was like, I don't think that's fair. You shouldn't be scared of your feelings. Mm-hmm. And just because of that, treat a patient like shit. Because obviously they come for the best care that they can possibly yeah. get. She was against it. She was just like, no, when you go through school. And then I was like, why are doctors know-it-alls? Like, I... Once I asked my doctor, I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. Slow it down. Explain it to me in a layman's language. And he's just like, he couldn't explain it. Um, the other thing is like a patient, especially like if you're going to a hospital, you're in such a vulnerable state. Like you actually need empathy. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like it, your thing about how in customer service, they teach you. Uh, the patient's sorry. always right. The yeah. customer's always right. Yeah. The customer's always right. But also like they teach you how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that's so, like, that. that's something we need. Like, I think everybody needs to have jobs. Like, I had my first customer service job at 16. And I think you need to go through jobs like that because it actually builds character. It teaches you how to communicate with people. And it makes you humble when someone, yeah. learn, like, screams at you and when you realize you did something wrong. Yeah. Because someone will call you out for it. Or, they have like, no you are sometimes the screaming person or sometimes you are the one that gets agitated with other people exactly. when you're a customer, right? And then you immediately go, okay, yeah, but I wouldn't want someone screaming at me. Exactly. So you hold back. Exactly. It, it builds a lot of character and I think that if you're ever going to, if you want discipline, you should definitely start out with jobs like that. Like, you should start out with part-time jobs, teaches you to be on time, you know, aside from schools and universities, that's something that is actually a very educational tool. Like, you're going to learn a lot of discipline, how to be on time for things, how to talk to people, um, be responsible with your money. How to multitask. Yeah. Um, I forgot. Oh. Keep talking. <laughs> um, I was also going to say, yeah, like, if you don't, like, the re- you don't learn this stuff in university when you're in a science, um, I guess, uh, class, science classes. But I think there should be courses where it's like morals and ethics and stuff like that. I know they have them in med school, mm-hmm. but I feel like the, the faster you ingrain them into a person's head, like when they're going through their undergrad, 
the more they'll be able to grasp it. Because if you're working with people, anytime you're working with people and they're in an extremely vulnerable state, you need to know how to act accordingly. And a lot of the times, like people won't want to go to um, doctors because it's scary. Like I, I know that this is a thing. A lot of people don't go to doctors' offices because they're, it's scary. Like they don't know how to talk to you, and you're scared to ask for an explanation because they're so like off-putting. Like you know what I mean? Their whole body language is just like like if you ask a question, they'll immediately their legs turn away. Get they'll be mad like, okay. And, like, they think you're an idiot, but you're really just saying that you're like, I'm not an idiot. I just no. want to understand what's wrong because maybe I can tell you something that's useful to you. I had a nurse. She wouldn't even listen to... She told me, tell me uh, your top three symptoms. I'm like, what the fuck are my top three symptoms? Yeah. There's multiple symptoms I have, and the only way you're going to be able to properly diagnose me is once you listen to everything that's wrong with me. And she's like, no, just give me your top three. And then I said cystic acne, and she's like, that's not a medical term. And I'm like okay fungal acne and she's just like that's not a medical term i'm like yes it is look up any dermatologist's oh book oh my god and i was just sitting there and i was like i'm not here to have a how are you supposed you. to know medical terms first of all exactly like i'm just sitting there and i'm like i'm sick please make me better um, <laughs> oh my god and you know they do this thing where well technically they're being paid by the government if they have their own practice right mm-hmm. because the healthcare cards and whatever um but it's so bad how like um you they want to give you the quickest solution possible so they start you off with pills even if there's something gravely wrong with you they'll be like antibiotics here you go because they don't they want you to keep coming back you know what i mean like they maybe this is a whole other topic of how the healthcare system is kind of screwed but they want you to like keep coming back because each time you come back you're paying them exactly and in most cases, what I've found is certain pills, they harvest your bacteria and yeah. they make it worse for you instead of make it better. But in a sense where it'll make it worse and it'll spike and then you'll eventually be like, okay, now I need to go to the doctor. But that same medicine is going to slow down and actually be effective after a while. But we don't know that because they don't tell us that. They just assume that we're going to come back and they get to make a few extra dollars off of us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not wrong. They have fees to pay, mm-hmm. tuition to pay they have their practice costs a Mm -hmm. lot i understand they have to pay other doctors but i mean you could just tell your patient yeah keep them in the loop maybe they'll come back anyways you can just ask them for a regular checkup or something yeah you don't have to play your patient and lose their trust completely to be able to make money off of them because then you just end up losing the entire patient um i read this thing where it was just like this is this has to do with women only um if a she like if a woman goes in to see a doctor and if she's talking to a male doctor normally when she's describing her pain they won't take it seriously simply yeah. because they think that it's just them blowing it out of proportion and i think that's unfair and there have been multiple cases of where there was misdiagnosis and people had breast cancer and it was just considered chest pain and it was let go of simply with diagnosed as asthma like a person can die from breast cancer yeah. How are you misdiagnosing that? Why are you not willing to hear the patient's pain? And any time it has to do with your reproductive system, they automatically say, oh, it's period pain. Yeah. And I read this thing where it was just like a girl went into the ER and she was bleeding, like bleeding. And she was like, I'm bleeding. And he's like, you're on your period. And she's like, I know my period blood. This is yeah. not my period blood. I can show it to you, but this isn't it. And he simply just sent her home and he prescribed, I think, Advil or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here, take that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but this is that's a whole other topic of how 
that I mean it relates to how the virus situation too, how the healthcare community is really um they're trying but they're very detached. Yeah. Like you never really know what's happening simply because like when I was reading articles on the virus mm-hmm. They talk as if you're supposed to know the stuff. Like, yeah. someone who doesn't know anything might want to read that stuff, too, just to stay educated. But you can't really know anything without knowing the basics, is what mm. they say. Yeah. But I think, like, what you were saying, it's really important that they have mandatory workshops for doctors to be or nurses to be to attend so that they can stay in touch with the humane side of themselves. I know it's really... Their career is tough, and it's not an easy thing, and it, and it's difficult practicing and doing what they do every single day of their lives but a certain part of you is drawn to that right yeah so you can't use that as an excuse you still need to remain humane for those who are coming to you yeah you need to be able to serve the other person as well as serve yourself at the same time and i don't think they're teaching us that um yeah here i wanted to kind of talk about um how we it has to do with narcissistic abuse where even doctors do it where they'll believe that they're know-it-alls and then they'll push their narcissism on top of another person and immediately shut down the other person. And I think our youth is quite the same where we don't really listen to the other person, especially if we think we know everything. But the truth is we don't really know everything, but we're not willing to hear it simply because when we're being brought up, when you answer a question and you're right, the teacher stops there. The teacher doesn't ask the people who might be wrong or the teacher doesn't listen to everyone else's questions or answers. My throat is hurting. (laughs) (coughs) She doesn't listen to every single person and she doesn't, she doesn't take the perspective in from what every single individual is alternative approaches. Exactly. And I think that teaches us that only one person can be right in a room of 30 people. And I think that's wrong because when you go into the work field, everyone's going to have a different approach. It doesn't mean the other person's wrong. It just means they have a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. But then again, our school systems are rigged in a way where we like, we're a production factory, okay? We want every single student to fit inside of a box. And when a student is different, we have a problem either teaching them or we have a problem letting them be a part of their, our class. Yeah. Um, When I came from Pakistan in grade three, two, three, I skipped a grade Mm -hmm. and then in grade four, my teacher was just like, because she skipped a grade, I want her to be in a different section with all the other FOP kids. And then I was stuck with a bunch of kids who couldn't speak English. And I was like, I can speak English. And she was just like, I can't teach you. My teacher was a white lady. Oh, my God. And see, it's like you see these disadvantages at such an early age that you think that these things are normal. But yeah. in reality, you shouldn't ever have to go through that. Because immediately I started relating more to the FOB kids than I did with the kids that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, that broke my narcissism. But then at the same time, in the class, I was the smartest. So my narcissistic attitude went up again. Yeah. And I, my level of confidence went up again. But you know how there's that saying where... I forgot what the saying is. But it's like in a room full of blind people when you're the only one who can see something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But you can be the brightest bulb in the room if you're surrounded in darkness. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't that's mean the thing the with the, that's the thing with the gifted people. Like, the half of the class is struggling <laughs> because they're probably just going at the average rate, and then there's this one student who you know by luck or chance is doing extremely well in a certain class, and they're like gifted. Yeah, put them in the gifted program, and then they come out of the gifted program and they realize they've been average this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that also i wanted to touch on the narcissism where you know the uh, making other people one person feel like they're always right the thing with albert einstein was that he used to ask a lot of questions in class mm -hmm. and the teacher hated that mm -hmm. and so she went to the principal and said i can't teach this student because they ask a lot of questions they honestly make you feel like you can't ask questions or you can't deviate from the norm um so when i was in english class like i was i loved english class um and you know whenever we'd read books like macbeth or whatever like stuff like that we read uh lord of the flies and you know i'd always read ahead of the class but then i'd always form my own conclusions from it and i want i'd want to go to like the teacher and have a conversation about why like you know the type of person you and i are we can see that life is not balanced like life is sometimes unfair but everybody has their reasons for why they act the way they do we're the kind of people that can justify why a psychopath exactly is a psychopath. exactly 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 so like trying to go to your teacher and explain to them why maybe Macbeth was not wrong was it not wrong or wasn't as evil as people think he is or why in Lord of the Flies why the kids you know were are suddenly got the I guess they came to the conclusion that they had to kill other people why that isn't necessarily wrong was weird like it was like why do you think that like what's wrong with you it simply means that you're in touch with your survival instincts yeah and not just that it means you're in touch with perspective it means that you can see that sometimes people are forced to act a certain way and yeah it can affect their psychological abilities but what has driven them to do these things exactly. you know mm -hmm. so it's like we can understand that there's multiple perspectives in life but and that's critical thinking like that should be congratulated or that should be acknowledged but in stuff like high school and stuff it's not because they're raising you to be a certain type of a person mm -hmm. and if you deviate from what that kind of person looks like like if you're not always following the rules or if you're not admitting your homework on time or you're not you know participating in extracurricular activities whatever you're a weirdo mm -hmm. and um okay this is this is gonna sound crazy but i was watching ted bundy's tapes and um Think about what you're about to say. <laughs> okay, okay. Look, I know he was a weirdo. Like, this kid was actually a weirdo. But um, a lot of people liked him because he was very intelligent. Mm -hmm. And he used to make out his persona to be some, like, fantasy kind of, right? Like, not like a fantasy, but he used to say that he was really smart and he was really, like, social, and, you know, people liked him, and you could see that, like, even when he went to court, he knew how to talk to people, and people liked him, because he was a lawyer in the making, right, um, but there was a lady in the documentary who, I don't know who she was, maybe she was a part of his childhood somehow, but she was like, yeah, he was a weirdo, he used to get in a lot of trouble, but, like, she took, like, the smallest things that any normal human being would do, and, like, kind of twisted them, so she was like, yeah, in class, he didn't talk a lot. And, you know, like, even though nothing in his background suggests that he could have became a psychopath, like, nothing in his background was like, he wasn't abused, he never, like, hurt people. But this lady was just, like, taking the smallest things and making it out to be like, yeah, these are incidents where you could tell he was a psychopath. Like, she was like, he wasn't good at sports. He didn't want to hang out with the boys. <laughs> and I'm like, so... That means that right. means he's a psychopath, like, and he was, but it's like none of those are indicators that he was exactly like any normal person might not like sports. Any normal person might not. Sometimes there's no explanation for why people turn out the way they do. That doesn't mean anybody who deviates a little bit from the norm 
is a psychopath. And what I've noticed is um, with psychopaths, normally they develop a charm that none of the other people have around yeah. them. So even at a young age, you're very drawn to them. And as they get older, they harness that and they're very good at it. And people find that weird. With the Ken and Barbie killers, he was the, like the Ken guy. I forgot what his mm-hmm. name was. Uh, I don't remember. Something Bunnerson, maybe. I don't know. Okay. But Ken was basically brought in to the police and he was brought in three times and all three times he was sent back home simply because he just looked like a working class yeah. dude. Yeah. They made that police who were trained to be able to find a criminal, brought him in, had him in the observation room, and decided that he was not guilty. That's why I think people who are, like, overly ambitious or overly smart should be more threatening than, like, people, than the loner in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they just don't want all the spotlight on them. But the people who are, like, charming and they you know they just do everything they go for it like i feel like you should be more concerned about these people because i think to a certain extent when they're like that they think they can get away with everything simply because they have that charm present and simply because people are in awe of them yeah do you know how many like how okay yeah this is the perfect example how many mean girls in a movie are usually the people who are like really attractive and really like you know loving and no sorry lovable like people really like them but they turn out to be complete assholes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what kind of agenda are we pushing here? Like, are we making it seem like kids can't be a little bit anti- anti-social or they can't not want to play sports or they can't not want to like the normal things their genders want to like? I think the best way for that is you have to be able to explain to yourself that some people are just wired differently and there's never going to be an exact explanation to why some certain some people turn out a certain way and some people sur- turn out a certain way. Mm-hmm. You can put everyone in the same room, 30 kids in the exact same room, but I can swear to you, each person will go on their own path, regardless of what you teach them, regardless of how you condition them. Yeah, and there's always going to be that outlier, right? Even if statistics say like, okay, like 99% of people who are abused grow up to be psychopaths, but then there's that one person who was abused and he grows up to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like there's always going to be in every statistic, there's always that outlier and you can't account for it because exactly. it happens randomly. And that just comes down to the fact that people are all different, which is why like in teachers, like I get it. You're not being paid enough for this. But when like I've always wanted to be a teacher, it's like if I have students, like I'm raising these kids. Mm-hmm. So I need to pay special attention to like every single individual in my classroom, find out what makes them work, what makes them tick. And even if I'm not being paid enough for this job, I'm doing it because it's my passion because I recognize that I'm like a second parent to these students. That's exactly what the teaching in Pakistan's like. I'm not saying like the, the oh, schools no, that I agree with you. Not the government schools, but like the private schools. Mm-hmm. I literally had my teachers focus all of their attention on me and I was a very different learner. I wouldn't always grasp everything in lectures and in class. Like I would understand, but I'd like to talk a little more and learn a little more and see what what's there behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I would always go talk to my teachers and I'd always like knock on the teacher's lounge and be like, hey, can we talk? And they would pay that undivided attention to me mm-hmm. and they would sit. Teachers would commit their entire, like, lunches to coming and sitting and teaching me outside of class and being like, hey, this is how you do this and this is how you do that. I had a a math teacher. I was struggling in her course. She gave me the private tutor that she went to. Mm -hmm. She's like, go to this guy. I went. I started excelling. Like, I was doing super good in the class afterwards. And then when it came to grade 8, you get to choose between O-levels and metric. Um, My teacher, you can choose to do O-levels in either either 
business, arts, or science. And my class teacher for the past three years, she said that I she would put extra attention into me so that I could do arts, business, and science all together. And that was, I think, 27 subjects or something. And she was like, you can do it. Like, I will put in extra work. And she's not getting paid any more than anyone else. But she was willing to put in that work. And I know for a fact that teachers in Pakistan do not make remotely close to the amount yeah. that we are making here. Yeah. And considering how different inflation is there how much things cost there they're still willing to go home bring chart papers bring mm-hmm. markers bring different ways to make their boards look creative different ways to put information out there for students to be able to look at for like appearances do matter to a certain extent so if you have a board full of information and it looks dry no one's gonna look at it and i think that's how it is here like where do you see a colorful board in your like school or mm-hmm. university where there's information that you actually want to look at yeah it's just words on words on words yeah you're teaching a seventh grader mm-hmm. an eighth grader they're not going to stand around looking at mm-hmm. words you need to put into perspective how everyone looks at things differently yeah and you need to be able to give out to each audience differently yeah and i think that they're taught to do that there whereas here School teachers don't take their jobs seriously yeah, normally. Or there will be, like, I'm not saying all of them are like that, but there are one or two who will put in their passion. You know how in Matilda that teacher mm-hmm. came in and she put in, like, her life yeah. into the students? We need more teachers like that. You mm-hmm. need, you know how doctors are asked why they're passionate to be doctors? We need to ask our teachers why they're passionate yeah. to be teachers. You're molding the future generation. You have a responsibility to each and every student that walks into your classroom. But are you willing to take on to that responsibility? Are you going to, 10 years into teaching, are you going to be miserable? Are you going to say you hate your life? Are you going to simply teach every student like the past ones that have come out of your classroom? No, you can't because with every generation, every student evolves. Every mindset changes and you have to be willing to move forward Mm -hmm. with each and every single student. Yeah. So the reason why I really like the idea of um, homeschooling is because... The school that I went to, it was like a Montessori, mm-hmm. uh, and I went, well, I went to a few different schools in Pakistan, but my favorite experience was a Montessori, and it was, um, it was a private school, but it was very compact, like the classes only had maybe like three or four kids, mm-hmm. um, and the way they designed the school was to literally give you a home experience, so there used to be like trays, but they were really cute trays, so when you go on lunch, like you would put all of your food in the tray, and like you sat down, you would say your prayer before you ate. Um, and in the mornings, like, you know, you would stand for the, the national anthem ever, everything. And the teachers were like the best. Like they literally treated you like you were their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody knew everybody in the school. Like it was just, it was the best experience. So even if I'm not all for, okay, homeschooling where parents teach their kids, I want schools to be like that where they're more compact, especially if you're, if you're in like a elementary school. So that the teachers don't aren't overwhelmed with like thirty students in their class. That's why I don't agree with Ford's um new policy of like including a bunch of kids in the classroom, even if they have forty five. De- right? Yeah, even if they have deficiencies, mm-hmm. and it's like it's overwhelming for one person. So I can understand why a lot of times teachers can't pay attention to everybody. So I like that idea of making schools less like prison systems and more like an environment, inviting environment. You know. Like, and one thing that I talked about with my friend was that in a school, you're just thrown into a bunch of strangers. So your most 
important ages of building social security mm-hmm. are kind of lost because you're put into this environment where you're just with strangers and sometimes they bully you or you don't fit in, you know? <coughs> so a lot of people will build a lot of social anxiety from that. Whereas if you're in like a homeschool or if you're in a more compact environment where kids are like, you know, they're treated like they're in a safe and sound environment, you can build that social security in a, in a way where it's like, okay, you're not completely damaging your identity or losing who you are. Or like when you need like your parents, you know, as kids, like a lot of kids will cry because their parents are not at school with them. It's like you're not completely alone. Like you're, you don't feel like you're completely without that like security blanket. You know what I mean? I feel like that has a lot to do with the codependency that we form. And we're not really taught. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you're not going to have someone to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be able to have a safety blanket around you. But when we go to school, I feel like in a system where there's 30 kids we do kind of rely on certain people whether it's in whether it's your students whether it's your fellow classmates whether it's your teacher there are certain links like you know how some students are just like oh like i always go talk to my problems Mm -hmm. to my history teacher or my english teacher we do form a certain level of dependency on these people but we have to be able to differentiate between forming an unhealthy dependency and a healthy dependency a healthy dependency is where you are able to hold on to the information on your own, process it on your own, still be able to learn in a in an environment where you are invited to learn. And then an unhealthy dependency is where you have to get it out of you immediately. And I think a relationship is really important, especially a student-teacher relationship. I've noticed that there are also studies where students who like their teacher will excel in their courses, whereas if a student doesn't like a certain teacher, they'll do bad in their course. And I guess it makes sense. If you like a teacher, you want to learn more about them just so you can just so you can have them reciprocate that feeling to you too. I think we're like altogether failing what education was really originally about. Yeah. And we're not really focusing on teaching. We're more so focusing on creating people who will fill in the job or fill in yeah, fill role, in for the roles not. and the jobs that we already have lined up for them. But the truth is that jobs are forever changing we're not going to have the same factories open 10 years from now that we've had open from 10 years ago there's always going to be change and you have to be willing to accept that every single mindset is going to evolve every single person like an innovative person is not going to stop where you're going to tell them to stop they're going to find more ways to learn and i think like i think you know how in um up to grade nine you're kind of taught everything where you're forced to take maths uh maths arts sciences and all that I think it's really important for in high school to you to be able to do the same just because I've noticed and I've also read that an extensive knowledge leads to more innovation. Yeah. And you never want to take away the creativity from a student simply because you don't know who's going to end up where. And innovation is important in every single field, whether you're going to med school, whether you're going to be a doctor, whether you're going to be a lawyer, there's always new ways that you're going to be able to discover certain like how to get out of certain situations but if we restrict our kids into believing that what we find in a book is the only way for us to be able to be right we're we're gonna stop we're gonna look for all the answers in the book without actually pushing our minds to do it why do we resort to immediately using our phone to find the answer Mm -hmm. because our brains aren't willing to do the work anymore the work yeah um it's like a 
the way I imagine it, it's like a four-legged stool, right? And like those four legs are the different um, study areas. Mm -hmm. When you tell a student they don't need the arts anymore or they don't need the maths anymore or they don't need the social sciences anymore, you're essentially pulling out the legs and then what happens? They can't stand properly anymore. They only have that one leg to rely on. Mm -hmm. And like how far is that going to get you in life, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, like I agree, there's, there has to be some kind of reform. Like, I feel like it has to go away from treating, treating the school like a prison system to more like autonomy and more like, you know, okay, you can, you can explore all these different areas and you don't have to be kind of like cattle or like sheep in a system. And at the same time, when you're practicing that, don't award the kids or don't don't like i know that you're supposed to acknowledge kids that are doing good but don't only focus on the kids that are focusing on every single field Mm -hmm. or are expanding their knowledge there are going to be some kids who simply cannot Mm -hmm. handle that pressure and you need to be able to find a way to reward them too for for simply showing up sometimes because not every kid like you don't know what goes on in every single kid's home and you don't know the life that every single student lives but they're still willing to either show up or even if they're not willing to show up they're still showing up for tests or exams and putting in that bare minimum you just have to find a way to be able to motivate them to do more yeah it's just about that autonomy right it's about giving them the choice putting the choice in front of them and then letting them choose so if even if you do have the arts and the science and the maths and that and all that that's a choice like Mm -hmm. and they have all these choices it's up to Mm -hmm. them if they choose that or not but if you say you don't need the arts you just need the science now it's like a limited um i guess thing to choose from right and so that restricts them it restricts them more than if you just gave them all these choices and and then they chose anyway and on top of that it's like when you're only exercising one certain like specialty yeah what's gonna happen is you become bored yeah you're gonna want to exactly you'll burn out out and you'll want to discover more and you'll immediately think your only option is to drop out from what you're Mm -hmm. doing and then go explore something else when in reality if you had all four streams going at the same time you wouldn't burn out because you would have you would find a way to relax in other fields but still enjoy what you're doing at the same time yeah um a lot of so there's um jordan peterson uh he he was like talking about how there's two types of people there's the person that will focus on many different areas of life like they have a job they have a family they have hobbies you know and then there's a, a different type of person who will only focus on one thing and when they they do that one thing, they give it their all. Mm-hmm. So say it's a career, okay? So like Kobe Bryant, ever since he was a kid, all he did was basketball. Like that's all he did um, up until the point where he got injured and then he couldn't, like, you know, his knees or whatever. And then he was like, okay, like I have to retire because if I keep going at this point, then I'm going to hurt myself. But and I, I know this, like, even if he never publicly stated it, it must have been really hard for him to transition from just focusing on that one thing to now paying attention to his family life and paying attention to his kids and all of that. Whereas a person who, you know, if you're at home, you're only focusing on your kids. Mm-hmm. If you're at work, you're only focusing on work. If you're at the beach, you're only focusing on being at the beach. You know what I mean? It's about living in the moment rather than focusing laser focusing all of your identity into one thing because when that one thing gets pulled out from under you you're gonna lose your identity exactly and it's not always like you don't always have to be like okay but i'm never gonna let it get Mm -hmm. pulled out from under me things happen in life and sometimes it hits you out of nowhere 
I read this thing where it was just like, it's kind of similar to what you said, where a person who's average at everything will excel in life more than a person who is only good at one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can be exceptionally good at that one thing, but you don't have a lot to give to the world. That's the only thing you offer. And people want to talk to people who know a little bit about it. Like, you know how you enjoy talking to people who know a little bit about yeah, everything? Yeah, everything, yeah. And then there's that one person that only has that one thing to talk about. And, and the like, conversation's boring. Exactly. When they get that one piece of information out, you're just like, okay, do you have anything else to add? No. Okay, the conversation's done. What else are we supposed to talk about? And I think having the podcast is like a really good way of kind of like exploring into different topics and being able to expand our knowledge. Obviously, we do do a lot of research and we do read a lot before we say stuff. We're not experts. I'm not saying we're professionals, but we are, we do put in work. Yeah, a lot of it and also... It's just experience of from life, like like right, like Hiba and I are very like we're very good at critical thinking. I'm not trying to like <laughs> kiss my own ass, but like um, where we have the experience, like we live our life and we see and we observe, and then we bring that to the podcast and we openly make mistakes. Like yeah. we're never we're not stuck. Yeah, and we're willing to accept that we're not yeah. ever gonna be. We're not ever going to be perfect, yeah. and we're okay with that. And we're we're always open to, like, new experiences, to experiences that are out of the ordinary most of the time. Like, we've, I know we've experienced, experienced things like that, that a lot of people in our day and age will be afraid to do, and we acknowledge that life is not perfect, that, you know, if you go through certain experiences in, in life, they can break you momentarily, but you come out of it stronger you come out of it with a new experience of who you are with a new perspective of life and of everybody around you and i think that's so important like that's the greatest thing about education it's not it doesn't just come from going to university it's from life experiences that's your greatest tool like a lot of people i posted this a few days ago a lot of people will like read different books about life trying to grasp you know this concept of what life is about or trying to grasp like the the best knowledge but really, the best tool for education is to just go and do the thing. And normally, like, the answer is right in front of you. Some things just aren't, you don't have to give deep thought to everything. Mm-hmm. Some answers are really just simple. And yeah. I know some people will be like, no, simple is never it. Sometimes it just is, and you have to be okay with that. I want to leave the podcast off on yeah. this note. Um, I want you to be able to think back to a moment in your schooling system and think of a memory that you have. Now, notice how you're not going to think about a certain topic that you learned and you're not going to think of certain information that you retained, but instead you're going to think about an experience you had with your friends or an experience you had on your own. That's really sweet. I never thought of it that way. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yeah, that's actually so good because when you look back at life, it's it's never like the information or the words. It's always the moment. Mm -hmm, The feeling that you have. Yeah that's really sweet i think this is a this is a good podcast i'm glad we talked about this we wanted to talk about it for a while it was like the second topic we discussed yeah. and we pushed it off for 10 episodes yeah anyways we hope you guys enjoy this podcast uh we're gonna try to make more regular episodes from now on um and if you uh as always have any recommendations hit us up we love talking to people and we love getting new ideas okay thank you guys for listening bye, bye.